Hello, everyone. Welcome to our show. Hi, Kat Hi. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today on our show, we're doing another episode of Not Your Average Love Story. And we're going to tell again our personal stories that hopefully our experiences can help you through your daily lives. And hopefully it resonates with you. And please tag, share our episode with all your friends, family that you feel like maybe could benefit from this. Um, a little bit about us, us three women here. We met at Journey Coaching and we were put in a study group and all of a sudden we just hit it off. We wanted the same things, the purpose, you know, was all the same. And we really, really um, wanted to build something together. So I'm going to start us off getting to know your coaches. My name is Kat. And a little bit, bit about me, um, I have a single momhood journey. Uh, my specialty is life transitions through either careers, relationships, you know, wanting to build your dream goals. I am a huge empowerment coach and growth mindset coach. And um, yeah, that's a bit about me. <laughs> Noel, you're next. <laughs> okay, so, hey, I'm Noel. <laughs> Um, I am a certified life coach and I specialize in relationship coaching, uh, breakup coaching, you know, the specific, specifically a type of breakup where, you know, someone feels like they need to initiate the breakup. They're having a hard time doing it. They're having a hard time getting through afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I really delve into that. And I also am a positive psychology coach because there's so many applications for positive psychology and it's like fascinating what we can do with our brains to really improve our lives. So a little bit about me. I love that. I love positive psychology. One of my favorite courses. Guys, I'm Ray Lee. I'm so happy to be here too. And so thankful for these amazing women that I get to partner with and do this with. Um, I'm also a life coach. I am a self-love and empowerment coach. I really just have gone through my own journey. Um, of just discovering what it means to just love myself and step into my true authenticity. And I feel like life is really beautiful on the other side. So um, anyways, we're so excited to um, just share our stories with you because we know that there's power in shared experiences and it normalizes us and helps us feel more belong belonging and connectedness. Um, so I've got my lights going on because we're starting off the party. <laughs> and I'm just going to say a quick little intro because Noelle is going to share her story with us today. And we, Kat and I got the um, like Cliff Notes version of the outline and it's sure to be very powerful and relatable. And, you know, we've dubbed this the Not Your Average Love Story series because we all share something similar in either separation or divorce from the people we've had children with and the, the challenges of that and just womanhood. And so um, we really hope that this story blesses you today. But um, Noelle is, I mean, just so down to earth and cool. <laughs> she has the most interesting job, I swear. She's always doing something different and interesting and she does hockey she plays hockey and um i just i think she's got this kindness and realness to her that is gonna connect with you so noelle i'm gonna hand it off to you and i'm gonna turn oh, off this like so <laughs> yes thank you for such a nice intro um but yeah so i'm gonna share my story today and this story is about the gift of self-awareness it is about processing trauma. 
It is about new visions of life. And it's also about navigating the fears surrounding divorce. It is definitely not your average love story. So to get started with that, um, I'm gonna give a little bit of background, you know. So when I was growing up, I'll have to say, I always felt like I was kind of different from everybody else, sort of separate from everybody else. You know, I felt like I was less than, not as good as everybody else. Um, I couldn't see myself clearly when I looked in the mirror. You know, I didn't really have a clear perception of myself. And it's like beginning in middle school, all the way until the time that I got married, I exhibited specific relationship patterns. And my mother summed it up best early on, and she was pretty accurate about it. You know, every time I'd get a new boyfriend, she would be like, oh, I, you know, I like him so much. I feel sorry for him because you're just going to break up with him and break his heart. That's the tendency that I had. You know, it's like I was always kind of going from one relationship to the next, almost like chasing that new feeling of chemistry, like chasing that high. And it's not like I did it on purpose or did it intentionally per se. Um, But it's like, oh, I feel that feeling. It means I should be with this person now. You know, and I just disregarded the feelings of other people and hurt a lot of people. And I feel really guilty about that. But that was a consistent pattern, you know, all the way through. I didn't know where it was coming from. Um, But, you know, in addition to those things, it's just as I got older, through high school, through college, it's kind of like I was living in the dark about myself, about my direction in life. You know, I had no vision of where I wanted to go. I didn't really have clear cut goals and I had no idea what kind of potential I had as a person, you know, personally, professionally or anything really. Um, I wound up dropping out of college and started working and I met the man who would become my husband. You know, we worked together and over a period of a couple years, our working relationship turned into something more. And then we got to the point where we decided to get married. And, you know, looking back on that, never one time did I qualify him for anything. You know, I didn't have specific boundaries, specific values. We had no conversations about how we would deal with money, how we would raise children, what we wanted to do when we retired. It was almost like, okay, well, we're just going on this feeling and that feeling is enough. And so there we are. And obviously when you do that, it doesn't turn out very well. And it certainly didn't for me. You know, um, our relationship had a lot of problems, lots of problems. You know, he exhibited controlling behavior, um, he would kind of, he didn't really care about who I was as a person. He would sort of impose, you know, his own likes and dislikes on me and whatever it was that we were doing. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you can just be quiet. I don't really care what you want to do. You know, that type of thing. Um, I had to deal with infidelity, had to deal with dishonesty. And, you know, one of the other big issues was alcoholism on his part. You know, he wasn't mean or abusive, and obviously he had a job, you know, to a certain point, but it affected him, it affected me, it affected every aspect of our life, and it just kind of became one of those things, you know, it's like, okay, you know, this has to go. So anyway, you know, I'm in that relationship, and I'm telling you all of this, and I'm sure you guys are wondering, well, why didn't you get out? Like, why did you stay in that? (laughs) You know, and I just didn't have this clear level of awareness about what I deserved or where I was going. And I just kind of felt like I was stuck. I'm like, well, this is my life and this is what I committed to do. You know, still just kind of being in the dark. Um, You know, I suffered from depression, suffered from anxiety. But then something happened 
that like broke the whole thing wide open. I gained a whole new level of awareness about myself and how I perceive my life. Um, you know, a couple years after my husband and I were married, I started getting this weird feeling that something bad had happened to me when I was younger. And I didn't know like what it was, but I just had this really uneasy feeling. And one night I said something to him about it, you know, and we had a conversation about it. And then I realized, okay, I don't like talking about this and this is making me really uncomfortable. And so we never brought it up again. But then, um, you know, in 2010, like something happened that really like broke it open and it's weird how it came about. You know, I, I was in a group exercise class on a Saturday morning at the Y and all of a sudden in the middle of the class, I was hit just with this flood of memories of things that were said to me, of being in certain situations, of images of me like being in certain situations. And these things that were flooding back to me were memories basically of like early childhood sexual abuse. You know, I hate to say it, but that's what it was. And um, so I left the class, you know, obviously, you know, basically had a panic attack on the way home. Uh, got home immediately, told my husband what was happening. I called my mom and I'm like, is this real? Is this even possible? You know, like, I'm just trying to make sense of all of this. Cause you know, you hear about things like that happening sometimes. You're like, you know, is that really a thing? Can you really forget about something like that? And then remember it all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, you know, you can. And that's exactly what it was. And so I decided to really be proactive about taking steps to process it, to get through it, to reconcile it, to deal with it, you know, because it's a lot to deal with. And that's just kind of the way I am. When I'm faced with some kind of just like overwhelming situation, I'm like, I am going to fight to get out of this, you know, and move through it and process it in the right way. And so that's what I did. But in the process of doing that, obviously my whole level of awareness about everything changed. You know, suddenly, I could look back on my life and see, you know, these patterns of behavior and all of it made sense. And I could understand why I did what I did. And I could understand why I lived like I had nothing left to lose. But the realization of that made me so angry and I was so bitter. And I thought, you know, my God, like I had, <laughs> I could have accomplished so much. There are all these things I could have done with my life. And here I am in this marriage, in this situation, and I was devastated about it. And it is really hard feeling like, you know, you have had something that huge taken away from you and you can never get those years back, never get those, that time back. And so it was hard to work through that. So I spent about two years processing all of those things. But the one thing that became evident you know, in 2012, I'll say, is that I didn't love my husband. I didn't want to be with him. I knew that I deserved a better way of life. I knew there was more that I could accomplish. Um, but I still felt kind of stuck and powerless. Like I needed somebody else to come and like rescue me. It's like I still couldn't just like step into that power and make a decision to do something. But I did tell him at that point in time that I didn't love him anymore, that I didn't want to be in this. I moved to a different bedroom upstairs in our house, all my clothes, like everything. But he was kind of at the point of like, I don't want to lose you. So I'll just accept whatever form of this relationship I can take. You know, like he would tell me he loved me every day, like even still, you know, despite everything. And I just wouldn't say anything. I'm like, all right, well, we know where we stand. You know, I've made myself clear about how I feel, you know, about this. And so literally for like five years, we kind of existed 
in that way, which I know like sounds crazy. It's like, why didn't you just leave? But then in 2017, um, <clears throat> you know, I remember it was Easter and it was Sunday and I'd taken my daughter to see Phantom of the Opera. And during the second half of the show, I had this horrible feeling just of anxiety and dread and all of these things. And this one sentence kept going through my mind, you know, my life is a ticking time bomb over and over and over again. And I, and it just got to the point to where it's like the pain of inaction became greater than any feeling of powerlessness or fear. And I'm like, I have to do this. And the next day I had a conversation with him. I was like, we have to get divorced. You know, I have to get out of this. Um, you know, I didn't have a specific plan or anything like that. And he was like, well, I'll do anything. And I, so I said, okay, well, here are some things that need to change. If it's even possible for us to even begin to move forward to see if this is salvageable, these things have to change. And so nothing changed. His response like later after we did get divorced was like, well, I didn't really think you would do it. I'm like, okay, well, I made myself really clear. So, you know, that's, that's on him. But anyway, a few months went by, nothing changed. And, um, so I brought in some specifics. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to sell the house. We're going to have to do this. And he just lost it on me. You know, he told me I was not taking his family away from him. I was not taking his home away from him. He was not going to let me do this, basically telling me, you know, you're going to be trapped here and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that's the case. And I cannot tell you how much I hated him in that moment, you know, but you know, we kind of diffused the situation and it was so bad and so ugly and seemed so insurmountable. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should try to get him to change these things again and maybe we should try to make it work out. It's just like this repetitive thing that I kept going through with it, you know, all the while knowing like I need to get out of this, you know? And so, you know, that was, so finally, you know, in 2019, I came up with a concrete plan you know, I faced my fears, I addressed them. And, you know, I presented this plan to him, told him about it, this is what's happening, you know, and I got out, you know, I got out of it. And at that point in time, um, you know, he understood why, like he got it. It's not like he was blindsided about anything because, you know, he really, um, you know, I was honest the whole way through about it, you know, about how I felt and like what I wanted and everything. Um, and I'm happy to say that fortunately we do get along, you know, we have three kids, we're able to parent them. And I was extremely lucky in the way everything turned out, you know, <laughs> but the funny part, well, it's not funny, but it's just kind of ironic. And it just shows like when you're dealing with trauma and lack of self-awareness, lack of knowledge about yourself, and then a whole bunch of other conditions kind of related to trauma that I didn't touch on earlier, like, but I will when I'm done talking about this, but just due to the whole mess that that was, um, I didn't have enough awareness yet. You know, I got out of that marriage thinking, okay, I've done all this work. I know who I am. You know, I've got to get out of this relationship to become the person I want to be. I know where I want to go in life. Um, but there was still a lot of work that I needed to do and a lot of things that I still didn't realize about myself. So it was almost like with this whole story, like I peeled back layer one in dealing with trauma 
gaining a new awareness about the circumstances of my life, what I want, what I deserve, and finally being able after a period of years to take that decisive action and to change this one circumstance, you know, getting out of the marriage. You know, if I had stayed in, committing that level of self-betrayal will never allow me to grow. It bleeds into every other aspect of life. And so even though I didn't have awareness about certain things, due to peeling back layer one of all of the trauma, at least I could get that far at that point. And it was huge. It was a huge, scary change. But, you know, it was definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and I'm really glad that I was able to get there. You know, and one thing I didn't touch on earlier, <clears throat> you know, in processing all of the trauma, you know, I became aware of specific conditions and things that I was suffering from and still do to a certain degree that were really affecting my life and how I interact with the world and with my relationships. Um, you know, I don't have the same type of memories that other people have you know, like of childhood, of growing up. It's not like all of it is totally erased, but it, there is a big void there. You know, I hear other people like talk about it and I'm just like, God, you know, what was wrong with me? You know, before, you know, I was aware of it. I'm like, what was wrong with you? Like, why can't I remember anything about my life? And it's like being so, you know, you know, I have a condition called like dissociation. You know, that's kind of what happens, you know, when we go through trauma like that. And, you know, you kind of mentally check out of things and you don't feel connected to the world or the people in it in the same way, you know, that other people do that haven't gone through that type of thing. And so, you know, that lack of connection, you know, me feeling like separate from other people, like growing up, like it made sense, you know, and another thing, you know, that I had to deal with is something called hypervigilance. And like, I still like struggle with this. And it's just kind of like this anxiety fueled condition where, you're just hyper aware of your surroundings. And it's like almost like for me, it kind of almost became this unconscious thing. Like if I'm at home with my boyfriend or something like that, you know, it's not an issue, but if I'm at the gym or if we're at the ice rink together, it's like, I'm constantly like looking around, surveying my environment. Every, like if I see somebody walking out of the corner of my eye, I have to look at them like, who is that? You know, what's going on? And it's like partially unconscious and it's not because like I care about these people that I don't know or, you know, that I want to know about them, but it's like I can't help it. And that type of nonverbal behavior has been misinterpreted by like romantic partners in the past. You know, it's like, oh, well, you're here with me. Like, why are you looking at that person over there? Like, what is going on? You know, and it's caused problems. So I have to, you know, intentionally like try not to do that, you know, and um you know, another thing that comes as a result is like, I couldn't see myself clearly. Like I mentioned that at the beginning, you know, like when I was growing up, like I'd look in the mirror and I had no idea what I really looked like compared to maybe how other people saw me. And before I had the big breakthrough about the trauma, you know, it's like anytime I would go somewhere, I would like change my clothes like multiple times and I never liked what I saw in the mirror. And it's like, I, you know, I felt like changing this external thing will somehow like make what I'm seeing okay. And it didn't, obviously, because it was stemming from an entirely different place, you know, that I had no awareness of at the time. Luckily, that part is gone. You know, I don't, I don't feel like that anymore. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, one huge factor is, of course, like trauma affects how we show up in relationships, you know, and it did for me in a huge way, just the patterns you know, that I exhibited uh, when I was growing up, chasing just that 
feeling like, you know, the chemistry, the high, you know, never being alone, but also just being so disconnected from myself that I could never enter a relationship, you know, with boundaries, with values, with, okay, this is how we're going to come together and operate in this. It was always just based on a feeling. And, um, you know, I suffered from a fear of abandonment from my parents' divorce. That's like a whole different story. But so I like that thrown into the mix there. And then, you know, combine that feeling with, uh, you know, just wanting to be chosen by somebody and not feeling worthy. It's like, it's a mess. Like it is a recipe for disaster. And I had absolutely no business getting married with all that stuff going on, but I didn't know it, you know? So in a way, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, I had to drag somebody else, like my ex-husband, like through that mess, but he brought his own mess to it too, you know, and together it was just kind of a disaster. And it's better that we're not together. You know, like I said, it's a decision that I absolutely do not regret. Uh, but coming out of it still, you know, I still had a lot of work to do, but that is a different story. So I will end this one here. <laughs> that is it kind of in its entirety, you know, with these particular issues to address, so. Awesome, thank you, Noelle, for sharing that story. Um, man, complete vulnerability and just sharing all of that with us, such a big thing. Um, man, I, I like so many things I wanna highlight, like um, becoming aware, I, I love that. Um, when I think about my own relationships and other people, when they talk about their relationships, when they are just not aware, but then they don't do anything about it. Exactly. Uh, they know they're messing up and they know they're not going on the right path, but then they don't do anything about it. But you absolutely, you know, you, you over time, like understood, like there's something that needs to change. And if it's not going to be this relationship, then I'm going to change to do better. You absolutely took action. Um, you set up healthy boundaries, um, you worked on yourself, and that takes time sometimes. And I want to say, like, for others, like, don't be so hard on yourself, because sometimes it does take time to grow and to heal. And you absolutely, like, I, what I love about, you know, your journey is that you called yourself out. You're like, something needs to change. I'm aware now. I know what, what I need to work on. And if you're not going to be on this boat with me, like, as a partner, then I'm leaving. Like you're going to yeah. do what's best for you and your absolutely your children. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, I mean, I will say this, like I, you know, I, and I was really hard on myself, you know, about it. I'm like, why couldn't I have left earlier? Why didn't I do this earlier? Why did I waste so much of my time? You know? And it's like, I was ashamed of that even, you know, for a period of time. And it's like, it's hard not to be hard on yourself, you know, but you're right. You know, it's like, people definitely don't need to look at it that way. You know, it's like, yeah. So, yeah. And I think, um, like, uh, I get this question a lot, like coming from like my Filipino culture background, where it's like a strict upbringing conservative. It's like, my question to you is, do you stay together for the kids? Oh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, like everybody has that question and people, you know, like I felt like that. And my husband, my ex-husband tried to guilt trip me about that. He's like, well, statistically, you know, this and that and da, 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 da. And I told him, I was like, well, statistically, you know, how the kids fare in divorce 
you know, is dependent on the level of conflict between the parents and how they handle the situation, you know, because we are not setting a good example for them about how to live your life, about how to have a relationship, how to model relationship to yourself, to each other by staying in this and doing what we're doing. You know, there's not. <laughs> I love, I love the voice you gave your, your ex-husband. I like that we all do that, right? <laughs> with our boyfriends too it's fine Um, there's just I mean thank you for sharing all that that's there's so much probably to unpack from just what you've talked about today that we could probably spend a lot of time on one thing I, I kind of identified with right off the bat was when you said like even as a kid I didn't feel like I fit in I felt like I was different from everybody else and I was like that's so weird. Cause I did too back then. And I'm like, Oh, well, and the more that I hear that, I'm like, we're all not that different. You know, it's just like, we just, exactly. We assume so much from, you know, our subjective point of view and our family of origin and all that. And we, we put up our own borders for protection, you know, <laughs> um, and start to believe these funny little things about ourselves that aren't actually true. So I just, I, 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 didn't, I found that very relatable. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's so true. Um, I have so many things written down. I think the one I want to ask you about right now is if we, you I think a big theme in all of this is listening to, you know, like, well, in, in your journey of awareness, which obviously has layers to it, it doesn't happen over time or overnight, as you said, but I think a big part of that was like a connectedness or making a connection to where it sat in your body because you were like, this weird feeling hit me. You had depression, you had anxiety, you had all these things that were manifesting physically from your body. And I wonder, I think my question is, is like, how, how would you, I think as coaches, we often ask somebody like, well, how does that feeling show up in your body? So I wonder, like, um, was there anything specific that you're like, oh, this is, this is that feeling again. And, and you know, now how to connect it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there is a specific feeling and it's like, it's always just like right in here, this tight feeling. Um, you know, it's like, I even had that feeling like, you know, before he and I got married and there's this little voice inside me like, this isn't right. You don't need to do this. But the part of me that was driving me to do it, you know, was too strong for me to be able to listen to, but always like shows up right here. And it like, and it hits me and it, you know, I feel it very, very physically, you know, and I think it's interesting that like, you know, when I remembered all of the trauma history, I was doing something that was physical. And yeah. somehow, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, and then in part of the healing process, I chose to delve into some things that were physical to then, you know, like, and it really worked to help write the process, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it always like shows up right here and it's hard to dispel that, you know, but that, but that, you know, but it's like definitive for me, you know, there. I like, I feel like there's so much hope in that though. If like we start to trust and the feelings that we have in our body and what that's going to connect for us. You know, I feel like that's actually a very hopeful thing, even though it's uncomfortable. It's like, mm-hmm. that might be part of the awareness journey is just like, Oh, I feel off or this is happening. Yeah. Why? You know, and, and start to uncover. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely. We, you know, we have to pay attention to those things, you know, um, you know, our bodies will tell us, you know, they will tell us. Yeah. Um, what, what I like, what I'm getting out of that is like, you know, so you went through the trauma and how you're feeling in your body and then the healing part. I love talking about the healing part because I'm a huge mental health awareness advocate. So for other, you know, moms, women that are out there like, oh, this feeling coming up in your body or trauma that you've had to deal with. Um, I love that all of us openly talk about therapy and seeking help yeah. and and talking about it because I feel like, I don't know, for me, like even growing up in a strict family upbringing, it's like, oh, we don't talk about therapy and and asking for help seems so like, oh, you're, you're a little bit like you shouldn't ask for help. You should keep your stuff private. Um, so how was that for you when you went through your healing journey? Like, did you seek out therapy? Did you see counseling? Um, what did that look like for you? Yeah, no, as soon as I could, like that Monday, I started looking for a therapist who specialized in issues like that, you know, just to help me sort through it. You know, I mean, and that is what I would recommend, like first line defense of like processing new trauma. It's like, I just feel like that's a non-negotiable part of it. You have to go there. You know, you have to do it. Um, you know, and so I, you know, I found someone, you know, and got an appointment, you know, relatively soon. And, you know, she and I went through some talk therapy. And so we could kind of make sense of all of it. And it's like, yes, this really is a thing. And so what she recommended was like a treatment course of EMDR. And for people that don't know what that is, um, it stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And it's a technique that was developed to help people, you know, suffering from PTSD or, you know, just effects of trauma to, um, be able to not feel those negative emotions, to be able to kind of like refile away those memories in the right places in your brain so they don't affect you anymore. And, um, you know, it, it can be conducted in several different ways. Like sometimes you like look back and forth, you know, to like a light that flashes this side and that side. And it's, um, you know, while the therapist kind of guides you through different thoughts or ideas or visualizations, and then like, there's a whole, you know, order to it. And obviously I'm not an expert <laughs> because I'm not a therapist, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a very guided, deliberate process, you know, you go through, but with ours, you know, I would close my eyes and we did mine with headphones. So it was a sound that would be like mm -hmm. here and here. And, you know, we went through that whole process. And so, you know, I did that, but for me also, like I mentioned, you know, getting into my body in a really positive way was a big part of healing for me and not just like getting into it and engaging in physical activity, but choosing something that would give me new positive experiences of self-efficacy, you know, basically. And so I got, you know, I lifted weights, but I got into things like running half marathons, you know, this big goal, something that's outside of my comfort zone that scares me a little bit. And so going through that and improving myself that, that I could do it, um, you know, had a really positive effect on my own psychology and how I viewed myself. You know, I got really big into CrossFit for a long time, you know, started playing ice hockey, but they all carry that same common theme, you know? And, um, you know, one thing I didn't realize though, at the time, like now that I have learned a good bit about positive psychology is I was kind of tapping into some of the pillars of it back then, 
you know, it's like not to delve into the whole thing, but, you know, things that contribute to positive emotions and greater satisfaction in life. You know, one thing is engagement, being involved in an activity that totally like takes up your mind, you lose your sense of time and you're just into it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was doing that, you know, achievement, you know, setting these goals, proving to yourself that you can accomplish things. You know, I had that and then positive relationships, you know, with those things I was doing, you're kind of becoming a part of a different community and you're making connections with people and that type of thing. And so, you know, it's really cool to look back and be like, God, you know, we unconsciously are driven to do those things as humans, you know, you know, already. So having a greater awareness of it now, it's like, heck yeah, we're going to go further in that direction. Um, but those were kind of the two biggest factors, like in the healing process, I would say. Yeah. I love that. I've done a little bit of EMDR um, and it was the, the sound one too. And I was so skeptical. I remember my therapist being like, we should try this. And I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so like hesitant. And then we did it. And I was like, instantly, it was so powerful. So I'm so, that's so interesting. I think that's yeah, our, our brains are amazing. I yes. mean, it's amazing, like how we can change them and what they can do and how we can reprocess things. So like, I am like all about those kinds of techniques. Yeah. Another um, part of the story that I could relate to, and I feel like I wrote this down <laughs> because um, you're talking like your divorce didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't like you guys were like, we're getting divorced. You know, it, it took years. It took time. Even when you were already checked out yeah. and your ex-husband was like, no, we're staying in this. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, kids and all that stuff come yeah. into it. It's really hard. It's not an overnight decision. And I I think we think the rest of the world thinks we just decided overnight. And that's like almost a judgment that prevents us from like, but, but um, the truth is it's, it's often, and probably sometimes there are cases where it ends abruptly, but in most cases, I think it's a long journey. It's not just, um, and I, I want to encourage anybody who's in the middle of that process, like, uh, like, there's not really a timeline. It's just about when you're ready. And I think when you had that moment, Noel, when you were like, no, that 2019, my concrete plan. And you're like, yeah. you're ready. and by that point, your ex-husband was like, yeah, I get it now too. You know? <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it works out that way. Um, I don't know. I just found that encouraging because I think, yeah, it's, it's not an overnight thing usually. <laughs> no, no. Like, I mean, it's not at all. You know, and it's such a complex thing with so many moving parts, so many fears surrounding it, so many things that hold us back. Um, you know, I know it's like, I mean, it sucks that it took so many years for me to actually get out of it. But because of the fact that it did, I was kind of able to like face every aspect of it, what it would mean, what would be different, what it meant, processing those emotions associated with that. So when I finally got to the point to where I had a plan and this is what I'm going to do, like I had resolved it. I was done with it. I wasn't emotionally attached to it. I didn't have anything left to process. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't angry. Um, I didn't have any negative feelings towards my ex-husband. I just was like, it's over. It's done. And it's time to move on, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump in here and ask questions about co-parenting now. <laughs> um, and so, you know, um, my separation was what only a, a year ago. So, you know, that whole process was feels very fresh still. There's a lot of stuff that you still have to like 
communicate and figure out with, you know, I only have, we only have one kid together, but um, during that whole process, how do you talk with your kids about this and prepare them and like, you know, all the emotions and talking about like what to talk about and what not to talk about is a, also a thing. Um, how was that for them? You know, it's like, obviously like our kids definitely struggled with aspects of it. And there were some things that the older ones didn't understand because I withheld too much information about it. You know, it's like in 2018, you know, for months, I saw a counselor by myself specifically related to the idea of divorce, how, what to expect with kids, how to best deal with it with kids. She like recommended a book for me to read you know, and you kind of like ours are different ages. Like my daughter is 15, my son is 11 and the youngest one is five. And obviously this was almost two years ago. So they were a little bit younger, but you have to talk to them obviously at different age appropriate levels, but you know, the more honest you can be about it, the better, but that doesn't mean that you trash your ex to them and say negative things that are going to make them feel bad about somebody that is a part of them. You know, obviously, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, but I know like my son, like my middle son, he struggled the most with it and post because I just didn't give him enough information because I thought, you know, okay, well, I don't want to make him feel bad about himself. And it was literally just this last Christmas, like Christmas day, you know, he was upset and he was misbehaving and I'm like, what is going on? You know, we had to have a conversation and I said, what is the matter? He was, and he's like, well, you know, nothing that you're going to fix. And, you know, he just couldn't understand why, like, his dad and I couldn't be together. You know, he just couldn't understand it. So I decided to have an honest conversation with him about why. Not giving, like, gory details of it, but outlining everything. And when it was over with, it was almost like he was relieved. Like, he got it. You know, he understood. And he was like, well, I just don't know why you stayed there for so long, you know, but so, you know, honesty to a certain degree is valuable. And it does depend on, you know, the individual child. You just kind of have to get a sense of that, you know, but there are a lot of great resources out there to really help you guide that process, you know, if you're at that point or if you're scared about doing it or if you're worried about the effect on the kids, you know, there are plenty of resources, you know, to guide you through that, um, you know, but it's like, <laughs> it was tough, you know, because the kids, you know, we wound up having to sell our house and, you know, it was hard for them to lose that. And they kind of attributed that like to the divorce. But, you know, I will say this, like part of my plan that I enacted, you know, like I said, I kind of had to address each fear that I had about divorce and like, okay, this is what I'm going to do about it. This is how I'm going to deal with it. You know, and one of the things about getting out of the marriage was I was like, okay, I'm not going to give him anything to fight me over. I'm going to create a custody agreement where he's the primary and I'm not, I'm going to pay him child support. He made more money than me at the time. So I was like, he, I'll let the kids stay in the house with him. I'll be the one that moves out. Um, you know, my family kind of thought I was like crazy for doing that, but we got along well enough that I didn't think he would take advantage of it or whatever, but he actually wound up losing his job about a month after I left. And the whole, like, it was just this whole like crazy thing. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I did what I did when I did. Cause had I waited, who knows what could have happened, you know? And so the kids, you know, so I, and I had to tell the kids, I was like, you know, you guys did not lose the house because we got divorced. This is what the original plan was. And this is what happened to change that. It wasn't because of the divorce. 
you know, and then we wound up changing our whole custody agreement uh, after that happened to where I was primary. He wasn't, you know, it's just the way life worked. And so things, you know, worked out a lot more in my favor. And I just had a feeling that they would, you know, for some reason. And I know that's crazy. And I'm not giving the advice, like, you know, make some crazy decision that you're afraid of because it's going to turn out well for you. But it's just in my specific situation, you know, I thought, okay, this is what I have to do to get out. This is what's going to be best for the kids. And then, you know, it all shifted. And it's, it's definitely in an even better place. And how much of that was like, um, with the consult advice of like your attorney, was that, was a lot of those decisions made in discussion with that? Or had you already kind of come up with the plan and your attorney was able to guide you from that point? Or did you have an attorney? Yeah. Well, see, we actually filed uncontested. Okay. okay? We filed uncontested. Um, and I basically, you know, it's like I contacted an attorney's office that specialized in that. And, uh, you know, I talked to somebody on the phone, but they sent me this whole like sheet of like how, what, what needs to be figured out basically. And I went through the whole sheet myself, you know, and figured it all out mm-hmm. and outlined it myself. Um, you know, I just, I didn't want him to fight me over anything. And I also trusted, like I said before, that we could get along and he wouldn't take advantage of me in some negative way. And that's exactly what happened. And so, you know, our divorce was not expensive, um, which is a huge blessing, (laughs) you know, spend lots of money with a battle or anything like that, you know, and I talked to the attorney's office, you know, another time, you know, after that, um, I mean, and then of course, like I had to draw up a whole new agreement after that. I did the whole thing myself. Um, and I've had to call them from time to time just to get advice about a couple things, but you know, it was primarily driven by me. He did not hire an attorney or have a separate one or anything like that at all, you know, which is generally not advisable in divorce, but I wasn't going to tell him, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as long as, you know, he was okay with it. I was okay with it. You know, we were able to work it out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And may I ask how it's going now with you guys and your co-parenting? Um, how many, how long has it been since your divorce? It was finalized, uh, signed by the judge in like, I think it was September 7th of 2019. Okay. Yeah. It's been a little while. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, things are good actually. I mean, they, they are, it's easy for us to make plans for the kids. You know, nobody's being malicious about anything. Um, you know, like I said, I'm the primary custodian and he just kind of like goes along with whatever decisions I want to make about how the kids are splitting their time with us this week or just different plans about who's picking up who from school. It's very easy to work things out, talk about things. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of hard because he was just so devastated over the loss of the marriage, the loss of his job you know, he would want to try to call me and just like, like unload about all of it and talk about how horrible his life was and everything. Um, you know, but he went to counseling, he's been working through things. Um, you know, he's doing a lot better. He doesn't unload on me like that anymore. Um, you know, I finally had to tell him, I'm like, I'm sorry, we can't have these conversations, you know, cause I'd be like, you know, months later, you know, I'd be like with my boyfriend on the nights when I don't have the kids. And then he's like calling me at 10 o'clock at night because he wants to unload all this stuff. And of course, my boyfriend's like, why is he doing that? (laughs) You know, and it's like, I just, I don't need that conflict in my life. It's like, I am not your person to talk to about your problems. You know, you need to take it somewhere else. Um, 
and so you know luckily that's where we are now i mean and everything is really easy and i'm so grateful for that you know it had the potential as you know all divorces do to be terrible disastrous you know expensive um and i just feel really really fortunate you know that mine turned out to be as easy as it was mm. Wow, girl. I'm like, that was easy. You are hardcore. I'm like, you are so strong. I'm like, oh my God, how did you do this? <laughs> well, I mean, part of it, I mean, it's just like being so ready to leave and you're not emotionally attached to it anymore. And then it's like, I'm not bringing, you know, like my own negative emotions into it with the kids. I'm able to talk to them differently about it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, look, it's a lot. <laughs> it's all a lot. Everything's been a lot. But, you know, I am just super grateful for where I am now and the way everything has turned out. Mm -hmm. um, I want to just applaud both of you like so much, just like for being absolutely vulnerable. And this is why I just want to say out loud, like why I love talking to both of you is that this is definitely not your average love story. Like what we're talking about is messy. It gets really yeah. ugly. It's not sunshine rainbows. This stuff is hard. Stuff, you know, um, and now everyone gets to see a perspective of the, you know, different people of like in the relationship, co-parenting, divorce, separation, breakup. Um, the things I love that you talked about was like absolutely get through healing, you know, yes. take care of yourself, do the inner work, especially as parents. Like, I mean, so many times where like, you know, I have I even in coaching, even with other parents, it's like if you are not doing the work and not just saying like, oh, I'm reading the books, I'm posting out quotes on social media, like, no, like yeah. do the therapy, like do the counseling. Um, these are things that I feel like as parents, like if you know you have, or maybe like you don't realize it sometimes that you have all this trauma, um, that you are like not ready to talk to a counselor or therapy, but at the end of the day, what I'll say sometimes is like, hey, if you don't want to do it for yourself, then freaking do it for your kids, you know, because they are looking up to you and for you to show up as your best self, like do the work means the healing work. Absolutely. Because if not, like it will show up in every other relationship. You'll keep going right. in the same pattern, hurting someone else, bringing your whole family with you. You know? Yeah, it's true. And it's like, and I almost feel like, you know, and the work never stops. Oh, yeah. You know, like it never stops. You know, like I said, for me, there were just have been, you know, all these different layers to peel back, new levels of awareness to gain. And it takes time to work through that stuff and to actually change patterns and change behaviors. And, um, you know, it's like, that's why I love, you know, you have therapy, you know, to help you like, process the past and all of these things and get you up to this point. And then you also have coaching, mm -hmm. you know, to help get you, you know, onto the next level, you know, and I feel like the conjunction of both of those things, you know, can be so helpful. Mm -hmm. I just like, I like taking a multifaceted approach. Yep. Issues, <laughs> you know, like I really, really do. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you have any other questions, Rachel, or are we? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm watching the time. How much oh, yeah. time do we have <laughs> No, it's all going to us out soon. No, I have a couple, couple thoughts I just wanted to say. One is in regards to like the healing process too, like Kat was saying and, and doing the work. I think um, like 
it can be scary to approach it because of the uncomfortableness of it. It's really hard to look at those parts and, um, and not feel like the shame like you are feeling, Noelle. And I mean, that's such a big, I totally get that. Um, but I think that there is a way to approach it with grace towards yourself and a really good therapist, really good coach is gonna, is gonna help you in that, you know, because again, these are not experiences that make you different, that make you wrong or anything like that. It just makes you human. Mm -hmm. And, and like, and I think part of the healing process is having that grace and compassion for yourself. Like you said, Noelle, I didn't know but I didn't know back then. So I couldn't behave any differently. And I think that goes back to regret. And we do, we can regret regret because we should, should, should have done all this stuff. And it's like, no, the grace and compassion comes in. is like that version of myself didn't have perspective, didn't have these, the, the, the things, the growth process to go on. And so I think just know that the, the uncomfortableness of going in, into healing um, that it, it's actually going to be a really good work for you in being more loving towards yourself in the end, I think. Um, and it's a little scary and uncomfortable, but it's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was my other question? I was going to ask one more thing and now I forget. <laughs> that is mom brain for you. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, I'm like, how much more time do we have? We're like, maybe, I think I it's like five, 10 minutes. So, mm. um, but you know, just to let everyone know that's watching, see how like completely we are real right here. We're doing <laughs> the best we can. There are no scripts here. We're just taking notes. This is the first time we're all hearing each other do this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been kind of a really amazing thing to, like I said, we got maybe the Cliff Notes outline version, but to hear it from you, Noelle, and I can't wait to hear yours, Kat, coming up. Like, just like, these are, I mean, we've kind of touched on them, but we've not really gone deep even with each other yet. I mean, we're, we're ready to, but we're just kind of mm -hmm. doing that with you guys live. So, yeah. <laughs> putting it all out there. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, but it's just, you know, it illustrates, it's like, we all have our stories, we all have our struggles. Mm -hmm. And like, so many of these experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, are experienced by so many other people as yeah. well. And coming together in this way, you know, I just think it's really helpful for people that, you know, may find themselves in this specific situation, or are considering, you know, like I've said before, like walking down a path towards the situation to hear, okay, here are some tools that I can use along the way. Here are some outcomes that are possible here, are some things I can be aware of, you know, and it's just, again, like that awareness mm -hmm. is such a gift in so many ways. You know, I think the more aware we can become of ourselves, our lives, our behaviors, our choices, our motivations, um, you know, the better off that we're going to be, you know, for sure. And, um, you know, a lot of people I know in situations like this, you know, like I did, feel stuck and one of the themes i see like coming up in a lot of places is like getting unstuck getting unstuck you know like how do you move from that point of like you know i know that i need to act over to that action you know and and for different people it certainly may be different like i know for me you know that tipping point you know kind of became okay we're really going to address fear head on make things concrete, figure out how to reconcile it, figure out whether there's something real or whether it's some kind of false belief and put all that stuff into a plan to move forward. 
you know, mm-hmm. like we got to be able to tackle that stuff in order to take action. And fear just leads to inaction, indecision, and we get paralyzed, you know, and I think that's kind of true just all across the board, you know, for everybody in so many ways. Yeah, totally, totally. I love that you said that. Absolutely. It's funny because I'm like, yeah, I'm in a place right now where I'm facing a lot of fears head on, which is not my typical go-to, but it's because I know that that's going to get me to that place of not being stuck in this cycle anymore. And I think it, it looks like you said, when you had that moment of like, Eureka, I'm, I'm ready for my divorce. Like, I know, I know that I know that I know. You're like, you're ready to do the work at that point. Like you're, there's something in you that's fueling you that gives you this urgency to get it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, thank you so much, um, Noel, for sharing that story. Like it was extremely personal and it, I, I was getting all emotional listening to it too. Um, definitely have all those feelings. Well, thank you for letting me tell it and listening. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, not a lot of people know that story, you know, people, you know, that are very close to me do like the average person does not, um, you know, but I just, I hope in putting it out there that it can be helpful to somebody, you know, so I'm happy to have the opportunity to come on and do it with you ladies. Thank you. ladies. Yeah, we're going to close out and I just want to let everyone know, like you, you know, by seeing this whole show so far, we're going to keep doing this hopefully every two weeks. We're going to turn this into a workshop once a a month because our goal is here to have this affordable, like, to be able to have coaching affordable once a month, we're going to, you know, you can have any of us coaches, you can have all three of us coaches. Um, You can go to our social media, which we'll be posting this on and reach out to us, personal message us if you want to work with us. Um, But definitely this show is going to continue and I'll be telling my scary story to us, (laughs) Um, my my version. Um, So that'll be in the next, hopefully two weeks. And just want to thank you guys for all listening to us and thank these two amazing ladies for, you know, putting this all together with me. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> thank, yeah, you. thank you. You're a fire. <laughs> You're a fire cat. You helped make this possible. Thank you. <laughs> We're ready for, for your music and lights as I cut out here. Oh, <laughs> I got to like outro us. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I have the music queued up. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> There we go. Can you hear it? <laughs> oh, this song gets me going. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye, guys. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>